I believe in promiscuity and I believe in trust. I believe. I believe. I believe in love. And I believe in poetry. You're listening to Shtetl on the Shortwave on CKUT 90.3 FM. I'm your host, Tamara Kramer, and teching the show today is Elise Eisencraft-Klein. Stay tuned, because today we're going to be talking with the lovely musician, Little Birdie. And you believe in your prophet, and you believe in your pope, and you believe in your guru, and I believe and hope that you believe. I believe that you believe in love Cause I believe in anything If I believe that you believe in love I believe Welcome to Ishtadal on the Shortwave on this very chilly fall morning in September. And uh, today we're going to be hearing music by Little Birdie. She's going to be playing in Montreal on September 29th at the bar Les Griff. So I talked with her yesterday on the phone from Toronto. And, uh, and we chatted about a whole bunch of things about her relationship to Israel, to Jerusalem, to walls, to guilt. Um, and we're going to hear about that today and hear a whole bunch of tracks from her recent album, Sadder Music, and from some of her older albums. Uh, before we, we hear some of her music, though, I just wanted you to listen to this first clip where I asked her a very basic getting-to-know-you question. I asked Ori where she was from. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure what the planet is called. <laughs> I was born in England for no good reason other than my parents just happened to be there for a while. And I grew up in between Jerusalem and Calgary. We moved a couple of times back and forth. And then I lived spent six years in Montreal, and then I went to Berlin, and now I'm from the backpack. From so the backpack. <laughs> I, I don't know where I feel like I'm from, but I, I definitely feel very Israeli and very Canadian mm-hmm. at the same time, and surprisingly comfortable in Europe. So that was Orit Shimoni's answer to my question, where are you from? And she's quite the traveler. She's from from all over the place. And really, right now, she's from her backpack. And before we get into more uh, more conversation with her, I wanted you to hear a little bit of her music first. And this is the title track off of her new album, Sadder Music. Take a listen. That's no surprise The bombs that fell will fall again And you can only bend, suspend But in the end, you know New youth marches in the street With mobile phones and sandaled feet You can't help grimace when you greet Cause you're not sure you're in Magic juices come and go, the brew is weak The serving's slow and you're never so high You don't feel low, but you wanted sadder music You wanted sadder music You wanted sadder Some command fresh new paint on second hand, but an old vibe is stifling the land. 
And it doesn't seem to go Ghosts are standing everywhere With glowing wounds and vacant stairs And you can't step or stand nowhere Cause you are in their way Memory is open wide Announcing still the great divide That makes you want to cry or hide But you wanted sadder music You wanted sadder music You wanted sadder music You wanted sadder music So here you go So that was track 10 off of Orit Shimoni's newest album, Sadder Music, and the album was all recorded. The songs were written in Germany while she was on a trip there for about seven months, and they were recorded there as well, and it's quite a lovely album. And Orit shared with me that the name Little Birdie was not one that she chose herself. It was a name that was uh, given to her by somebody else for the band and for the music that she was playing. And it's really some a name that she's grown into. Uh, in this next clip, we talked a little bit about why it was that she wanted to have a band name and not go by her given name, Orit Shimoni. And this is what she had to say. You mentioned not wanting to use your name, Orit Shimoni, because it might identify you too easily to people before they, they actually listen to the music. Do you still feel that way? No, uh, it's, um, and thank you for asking that, because that's been a very long process um, in general of just being more at ease. Not, I'm not at all at ease, I should not say that, but I, I had just, when I moved to Montreal, I had just left Jerusalem, where okay. I was living for six years, and it was incredibly violent for the last two years of me living there. So I was, I was kind of in... I was quite upset when I moved to Montreal, and I moved to get away from it, but with a name like Orit, everybody, every time I went out, people would ask me where I was from, and I would, you know, basically listen to political accusations for the next 45 minutes, and it was just exhausting because they didn't take the time to ask me what my opinion was as an Israeli. Um, so I was just sort of fed up and... and sad and didn't, I kind of resented having to get into it all the time just because of my name. So I was having issues with it anyway, and then put the music out and just thought, yeah, I, it, I didn't want to deal with it. And now I've, uh, you know, with this album in particular, where I've put very explicitly Jewish material on it and have even written about it in the liner notes, um, I think like you can't really escape your your culture, your gender. You you sort of 
you know, you have to come to terms with it. I don't think I'm done coming to terms with it. Mm-hmm. But it it uh, it shifts. Being in Berlin really changed things for me. How so? It was, um, I went with this very uh, honest intention. I have two grandparents that came from Germany, and they escaped in the nick of time. Okay. And I really wanted it to be possible for someone of my generation to go there, knowing that it was totally fine and safe as a Jewish person going, like it was, and just just existing as a human being and not not having the entire journey be this kind of return to the, the scene of the crime kind of thing. And that was absolutely my intention, to just go and be a musician there and for it not to matter. And it mattered as soon as the plane landed. And it was not my intention for it to, but it hit me and it wouldn't leave for the seven months that I was there. Mm-hmm. It was just a really heavy, surreal, uncomfortable feeling, which a lot of these songs came out of. Um, I've been, I've left and gone back and it seems to be better each time I go, like it's, uh, I I was extremely critical, uh, or at least very cynical and sad about um, things that were going on in in the Jewish community or in the Jewish education system and in Israel, and and uh, it sort of shut me up for a bit when I got to Germany hmm. and made me pause in my judgment. Hmm. What was the feeling like there? Was it because you were facing uh, your family's history, um, or is it because you were seeing actual anti-Semitism? Or why? Why? What did you experience when you were there that that affected you so much? Um, I think there were two two things. The, the first one was just like a a really visceral sensory um, association problem. That's the best way I can put it. When the plane landed. As it was landing, the first thing I caught out of the corner of my eye was a factory chimney stack. And it was it was reflex. Like, I didn't even have time to think about it. It just, and my head went, chimney stack. Holy shit. It was here. Hmm. And, uh, like, I can't help the flooding in of associations. And it, it just, it wouldn't go away. I'm walking down some cobblestone street at night and there's a bicycle coming with a light on it. And it's, I, I mean, all I knew of Germany, and I didn't even realize this until I went there, but all I knew of Germany was just movie after movie after movie after movie that I'd seen about the Holocaust. Hmm. And so it was like a, fil- a film set <laughs> in a really grotesque way. With actual people walking in the city that had nothing to do with it, really. And then there's these plaques in the sidewalks that are, I don't know at what point they put them in, but, but they're, the, they're golden plaques in the cobblestone that uh, have the names of Jewish families that were taken from those homes. And you walk around and you kind of pause at them, and but then they're everywhere. You can't stop at every single one. So there's a real sense of... Jewish ghost city at the same time that there's a thriving, bustling community going on. So that was Orit Shimoni describing uh, a little bit of what it was like for her to first land in Germany and what, what kind of feelings and experiences she, um, she had to process while she was there. And that, and a lot of her, a lot of her feelings went into the new album that she, that she's produced and that she's going to be playing songs from at Les Cocrif on September 29th. Um, we're going to be back and hear more from Orit, Little Birdie, and more of her music. But first we're going to take a break for an ad and uh, we'll be back on Shuttle on the Shortwave. From September 21st to September 25th, Pop Montreal invites you to join its series of free panels and workshops with artists and members of the music industry at its Pop Symposium. Come for a workshop with the founder of Latin Soul, Joe Batten, a talk on composition with Meryl Garbus of Tune Yards, a class on Indian music with Babukashan Daspal, and a range of skill-building music industry conversations. Or join us for our evening-ticketed Captain Beefheart Symposium with Gary Lucas of the elusive Cinema L'Amour. Visit popmontreal.com for more info. A CKUT co-presentation. 
This is King Django, and you're listening to Shtetl on the Shortwave on CKUT 90.3 FM. All right, we're back on Shtetl on the shortwave. And yesterday I spoke to Little Birdie, also known as Orit Shimoni. And uh, we talked a lot about her new album and a little bit about songs from her older albums, too, which are very beautiful. And I asked her about one of the songs that I liked from her older album. And by the way, most of her music doesn't deal with Jewish content, at least not overtly. But I... I chose, I guess, to talk to her about some of the songs that, that did have Jewish content. And one of them is called The Temple. And I asked her what it was about. Uh, it had to do with um, a trip that she took to Israel and and how she felt while she was there. So this is uh, about the song The Temple. Um, I wrote it on a trip back. I left in, a, in 2003. And this was a couple of years later. I was teaching at this Jewish school in Montreal, and there was a conference uh, for the teachers. So, so I was on this conference, and it was beyond emotional to go back because when I left, it was I left quite traumatized. It was, it, it, like I said, it was really, really violent when I was last living there. So, I was very on edge about going back, and. Um, we were on this trip, and of course, like an education trip, you're going to be go- going to all these workshops, and they're all very positive and very emotional, and and so there was this like love-hate affair going on in my entire being as I was back in, in Israel, and um, we went to the old city, and we're doing this tour, which I, I actually said, like, can't I get out of these? I've lived here for 13, 14 years. I don't need to go on a tour. And they're like, nope, you got to go on the tour with everybody else. Okay. Um, and it was actually good that I had to go on them because it gave me this perspective again. But I was walking down these steps and, go, and just totally dismayed at the amount of violence incurred by some of, you know, an aspect of this belief. And so I'm walking to, to this tour, and, and the, I went to the temple, and every step it hurt was the literal first two lines of what I was actually doing, and then I just, the rest came out. I, I kind of have it in my head that, that the temple and Jerusalem are such exquisite symbols of peace and sort of the end goal and and inspiration and all that divinity but I really have a hard time with slaughtering people for the sake of a piece of land uh, and so that song is a, a cry out against that I guess what about the positive stuff that you were just mentioning like about the divinity and the end goal or are you inspired at all by the temple and by Jerusalem? Like, is it a symbol or it's not a symbol? It's a it's an actual it's place. A real place. It's I a think real... that's what I, I went back a couple of years ago um, because I was living in Berlin and it was just so much cheaper to get there than it is when I'm in Canada. And I was just so torn up about it. Uh, I was sitting on this balcony, staring at the these beautiful hills. I've always had an, a very, very emotional connection to Jerusalem. I, my early childhood was spent there, so it, it's sort of home. I feel there a way that I don't feel anywhere else. You cannot deny the, the power of this place. What to do with it is an entirely different question, but it's, uh, I'm not impervious to whatever weight that city has. And I'm from there, so I think I have a slightly heavier dose than people who just who just treat it as a symbol. I mean, I I know the streets there. I lived there. I, I moved there like it was mine. And then I felt uh, very displaced by what was going on. So it's... Um, and I like drama, you know? So <laughs> the unattainable love, it's a perfect symbol. Jerusalem for so many things it is there is something unattainable about it uh, the, there is something unattainable about a peaceful Jerusalem 
but it's uh, it's inspiring. It's just inspiring in a twisted way to some people. I think that it would be nice to remedy that. So this is the temple by Little Birdie. the temple by uh, little birdie and we talked a little bit more about some of the music on her new album sadder music which was recorded in berlin and of course the issue of walls came up and this is what she said about her song on the album called the wall i kind of think that you have to have a reason to write about something and uh, i do anyway I, it's got a, it's i don't want to write about somebody else's plight that i've never experienced because i've never experienced it and i don't think i could do it justice and so i thought well i'm not going to write a song about the berlin wall coming down because it's not really my story even though it was a huge part of what i was feeling there because it's i was living in in a neighborhood that was just east of the wall and it the wall was no longer there but it was it was a huge part of the the historical weight in the city. So I didn't wasn't going to write a song about the wall and then um, was in this bar talking to a, an East German woman. It was the night I met her. Her dad had just passed away, and she was talking about her dad. And I remember thinking, wow, we, can't, we can barely speak the same language. But she's just, she just told me the most human thing you could possibly tell me, and we can be friends based on this. And then she told me about what it was like for her when the wall came down. And because she had just told me about, she had first told me this really human thing, and then she told me a really uh, time and place specific thing that wasn't had nothing to do with me. So it sort of struck me, and I went home. And then I thought about the wall in Jerusalem or Israel, which they had just started building when I left. And I'm not going to get into the politics of that wall because I don't feel like I can say anything about it. But as a symbol, I hate it. 
obviously. Obviously, if you're building a dividing wall, it is not a symbol for peace, and it's not a very optimistic gesture. And that, I thought, well, that I can write about, the fact that I'm, that there are walls coming down and walls coming up at the same time. Why do you feel like you can't say anything about that wall, the one in Israel? Um, because I feel very differently about it when I'm here and when I'm there. And that, I'm against it. I'm ag- I'm, I'm against, but it's such a, such a terrible image for the world and for, for the country, but it's, it seems a hundred, a thousand percent clear to me that if you build a wall between people, that is not a good thing. I mean, it's that simple. But when you're there and you feel just a tiny bit safer, it's a bit emotionally confusing. So I don't want to speak on behalf of Israelis, even though I am one, but I, I'm, you know, I'm not there now and I... I don't know that I, I don't, I can't, this is my problem with Jerusalem, I love it so much, but I can't, I can't quite figure out what to say about it, because I don't know the actual need of defense, I just know that actions and things like that have symbolic meaning, and symbolic meaning I don't like at all what's going on. That was Orit Shimoni talking about uh, how she feels about the wall as best as she can. It's definitely a difficult issue. And this is, uh, this is a song off of her new album. It's called The Walls. <clears throat> I was having a very drunken conversation one night in a pub with a very lovely East German woman who was telling me very excitedly about her experiences when the wall came down. It was cool. And I went home and I thought about it. And uh, I thought, man, that's really upsetting that, that she's telling me the story about the wall coming down and where I'm from, they just put one up. So I wrote an imaginary conversation between me and her. Part of it's real. The rest is imaginary. It's called Walls.
So that was Walls by Ori Shimoni on her new album, Sadder Music. And she told me that it's uh, it was recorded all live in a bar in Berlin, which is a little bit of a risk. It's a little different than her past albums, which were all done in studio and are, have a slicker feel. But this one is a, is a little bit more um, au naturel. And I think she did a great job at it. So the next song that uh, I asked her about was a song that she wrote about a synagogue in Toronto in the Kensington market. And uh, I think uh, she said it was called Anshe Minsk. And uh, this is the story about the song on her on her new album called Old Synagogue. I went to this synagogue while I was in Toronto, and I don't go to synagogue. This is not part of my routine. But I was invited and I was intrigued, so I went. And... Um, I was the only woman there, or other women there, but they weren't in the the praying section. And the men were below. And so I was up on this sort of balcony by myself. It was an Orthodox synagogue. And their singing below was so beautiful. It was just so beautiful. And um, this old, kind of falling apart synagogue, I was looking around, but I had I had total privacy. There was nobody could see me. And I just looked around and listened to the music, and there was, I looked at the window, and there was this pigeon curled up in, on the window ledge from the outside, and I thought, I wonder if it froze and died, or if it's sleeping, or what, but it seems kind of iconic right there in the window, and then just everywhere I turned was, I kind of had a, a moment, uh, where the sheer fact that this place was still standing and there were still enough men for a minion below was pretty mind-blowing after having lived in the ghost town of Berlin for seven months. And then we went down. Um, the men had prepared a meal, which I thought was very nice. And they had this cold basement where everybody was having this meal. And then the rabbi started talking. And I was just sitting there, like, not, I, you know, I'm not, a synagogue goer so I kind of I, I felt like a guest and that I should be kind of quiet and observing and it wasn't I wasn't really there and I was just enjoying like I'd been I'd been a Jewish education teacher for a few years so I was just enjoying watching how the rabbi dealt with the the different people at the table different kinds of students kind of asking questions and I I just I kind of had this grin, internal grin, because I was like, he's so bullshitting them. But he's not. He's doing exactly what a rabbi should do, which is what I, or in my opinion, which is giving them the sense of the value of their question and, and tailoring his answer to for it to mean something to them. And it was just, it was quite beautiful to behold. And I didn't, I didn't really, um, I didn't say much, but I was just, everything that was going on in the room was was exactly as I thought it should be. And then I went home and wrote about it, and it turned into the song. And um, I didn't, you know, I didn't know that I was writing the song when I was writing it, but I realized that it all fit together, that the reason I was able to appreciate that night so much was because I had spent seven months looking at this very desolate space that was... Um, very hard to describe, but basically like a, a gaping vacancy in an otherwise very thriving space. And uh, so I wrote the song. Interesting. That is Little Birdie or Shimoni talking about this next song that we're going to hear. It's called Old Synagogue. To be fed 
kept on talking And the good men listened well He talked a lot of nothing He was just an empty shell But the words that he was quoting Still meant a lot to me About Joseph and his brothers And what traitors we can be I sat and watched and listened Though I didn't know my place If I was in denial, Lord In a state of grace How could it be That I belong in a line of us or them If that line itself is the place From where the hatred always stems God's children used to live Tell the tale of a fall so massive It's a struggle to forgive It's not the people that I'm angry with No, it's with God above I don't know what you call that But I don't call it love Building was so old And the basement where the meal was served Was drafty and was cold But the bread was passed And the wine was shared With a genuine reverie How it all survived Given all these trials Is a mystery to me And the men, they prayed so beautifully In an ancient melody How it all survived Given all this time is a mystery to me So rock me in your bosom And my heart will speak your name I may not know a thing But I remember all the same Rock me in your bosom and my heart will speak your name I may not know a thing but I remember all the same beautiful beautiful touching music by little birdie um i can't wait to see her and to listen to her when she plays at uh, l'escocrif on september 29th i'll definitely be there and um if you're enjoying this episode of shtetl on the short wave and you want to listen to it again or you missed some of it or you want to share it with a friend you can go to shtetlmontreal.com and a little bit later this afternoon it'll be up there for download or you can download it from itunes and um there's all kinds of uh, great media at shtetlmontreal.com there's an incredible article up right now it's by joseph rosen it's called in defense of self-hatred and it's a really good read funny and it just talks about um this favorite jewish pastime self-hating and uh whether it's actually a positive thing um so we're going to take a little bit of a break uh for some ads and then we'll be back with more uh with more from little birdie Cupid McGill and Cupid Concordia present School Shmuel the Organizer Your Radical Guide to Your Often Unradical School 
Keep track of your busy life, read about campaigns and community groups in the city and on your campus, and get involved. Copies of the School Schmool Agenda will be available at Kubrick McGill, Kubrick Concordia, CKUT, and across the city by September 6th. Suggested donation, 2 to $5. Visit our website, schoolschmool.kubrickmcgill.org. Justice for Missing and Murdered Native Women and the 2110 Center for Gender Advocacy present three events. Please join us on the bus to Ottawa on Monday, September 19th for this year's Walk for Justice Rally. The bus leaves at 7.30 a.m. from 2110 Mackay. It will meet walkers who have come all the way from Vancouver to raise awareness about missing and murdered loved ones. On September 30th, come to a talk with Cherokee academic, author, and activist Andrea Smith who will connect systematic violence against Native women with ongoing battles over land. It's at 6 p.m. in H110 at Concordia University. Finally, join us for the 6th annual Sisters in Spirits March and Vigil for Missing and Murdered Native Women on October 4th at 6 p.m. at Cabot Square. For more details on any of these events, visit center2110.org or call 514-937-2110. That's 937-2110. This is a CKUT co-presentation. Hello, this is Rabbi Gershon Sizomu, the spiritual leader of the Abidaya congregation in Uganda. You are here live on Stato on the short web. We're back on Shtetl on the shortwave, and there's so much going on in the city. There's a lot of events, and it's the beginning of fall, and there's a lot of reflecting happening, uh, because especially if you're uh, a Jewish listener of Shtetl on the shortwave, and not all the listeners are, but there are some who are, I would imagine, and so the feeling of the new year is coming, and also of the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, all the big Jewish high holidays are are about to hit us, and um, one of uh, one of Little Birdie's songs is about a story that we often read at the High Holidays. It's a story that many people will know. It's from the Bible. It is the uh, the story of Abraham and Isaac. And the song that she that she has on her her first album is called "Oh Abraham." And I asked her why why it was that she decided to to tell that particular story. And this is what she had to say. Why did you want to write about that story? Um. I don't know. <laughs> At the time, um, I had just gotten to Montreal, and there was a lot of bluegrass gospel around me that I loved, and it was sort of um, a little bit of a joke to me that I wanted to write those kinds of songs but didn't really think I should write about Jesus. <laughs> I was trying to think, is there a way? Like, I wonder if there's like an Old Testament thing I could do. And then um, I was actually, when I was writing it, I was thinking about somebody whose parents were actually named Abraham and Sarah, and they had had um, pretty horrible custody battles over him. And it just fit really beautifully together with that story, which I have always had a really big problem with. The sacrifice of Isaac never sat well with me, or the near sacrifice of Isaac. And, And so those three things together just... It came out. Interesting. So uh, what's so bad about the uh, near sacrifice of Isaac? That's such a beautiful story (laughs) of almost murdering your son. (laughs) Dad, would you ever do this? (laughs) Would you ever say yes? Um, Yeah. No. Actually, I'm afraid of getting myself into trouble by saying the wrong things, but... I recently, fairly recently, went back and read the beginning of Genesis in Hebrew, which I prefer. And that's another part where I kind of get 
Kabbalah because there is definitely something magical about the Hebrew language. Hmm. Um, but really was was quite horrified at the beginning of Genesis. I was like, I'm not so sure this is a good God. Um, but I do think there's a moral development to God as the Bible continues, so we'll just leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> A moral development to God. Interesting. This is Little Birdie and her song, O Abraham. That was Oh Abraham by Little Birdie. And we're going to hear one more, one last clip. Uh, I asked her on a different subject. How did she end up becoming this traveling musician? And what is that lifestyle like for her? And uh, a whole whack of stuff came out. This is what she had to say. I think I've been writing good 
songs, but I've been writing songs since I was about 14 or 15. And I always just kind of did it. And, you know, I would have little cafe gigs when I was in high school, and then I traveled and did other things and studied. I had a whole other life other than music. And when I got to Montreal, I just started to take a more serious path. And once one album was out and once I did my first like five day tour in Ontario, I just it just built like it's it just became what I wanted to do more of and was really, really just curious what would happen if I did it. But it took a long time until I was ready to quit day job and and just go for it. And I'm still making it up as I go. When I was still working and I was applying for little festivals and stuff and they said don't mention that you have a day job. That's not the story people want. And I thought it was such a ridiculous thing. I'm like, well, if they like the music, you know, the fact that I'm working shouldn't interfere with that. But I can definitely tell you that people are, um, people seem more excited when they find out that I live out of a backpack and I travel around with my music. And it's like, I mean, I'm not doing it for the story. I'm doing it because it's basically the only way I can do it. But I'm someone who's perfectly comfortable just hopping from place to place and meeting new people and taking long bus rides. I'm like, yeah, I don't, it, it, I think it suits me. Do you have an apartment? Nope. Wow. So where is your home base? I don't have one. Okay. I was living in Montreal. I ended up going to Berlin. And then I came back and I, I, w- I knew I was going back to Berlin. So I just. I just decided to tour while I was in Canada for the few months. Um, and then I did another stint in Berlin. And then when I came back, I, you know, I thought, well, well, what city do I choose an apartment in? And then what am I doing if I'm going to be touring all the time? Let's put it this way. I'm teaching myself how to do this as I go. I'm touring a lot more than I used to, but I'm still not touring nearly as much as I should be okay. to make an, any kind of actual living off of it. So... I can't pay for an apartment right now, but if I could, it means being on the road even more, which makes it even more stupid to have to pay for an apartment. So I'm not I'm just not really sure how to do it and I I just so I keep moving. You're making me think about Sukkot. I think I must be like just exodus phase. <laughs> so it's kind of like I'm definitely in the desert doing this forty years, but I it's before all the rules came in. does that work yeah i I used to teach in a jewish school and i remember it just blowing the kids minds that like well abraham you know was he jewish yeah did he celebrate hanukkah no why because it didn't exist yet whoa so that's i think i'm in in the pre-rule phase of the exodus i very seldom know what day of the week it is so i have a very hard time keeping up with what's going on on the calendar. However, it seeps in, and at this time of year in particular, I am also an October birthday, so I think I get a little reflective anyway. Mm -hmm. But having taught um, at a Jewish elementary school for a few years, I'm definitely like, yep, this is the period of atonement. But do you feel that's meaningful to you, the period of atonement? Oh, I have a permanently guilty conscience. It's always pertinent. (laughs) never... I mean, it's just the way that autumn works in all its, all the ways it pulls at you, I think it just makes it a bit more poignant. Yeah, no, it's always, I'm always trying to, you know, undo, undo internal guilt. Why? What are you so guilty about? (laughs) Humanity. I mean, I call it guilt. It might just be frustration or sadness or anger. I have a lot of positive feelings about humanity as well. Don't Mm -hmm. get me wrong. There's a lot to reflect on all the time. I'm meeting a lot of people at a very fast rate the way that I'm living now, and so it's kind of accelerated the the input of things. The way I've been describing it is that I kind of feel like when you zoom out on a camera. Hmm. I've just zoomed out, and it's not that I'm not engaged in life, but I'm I'm. It really feels like we're. It's it's made individuals a bit more minuscule and it's just a wider perspective i think would you recommend this the traveling lifestyle the moving wandering lifestyle to people 
my opinion about humanity has definitely become a lot more positive since I've done this. I think when you work a day job in an institution, it, it will bring you down. Hmm. So, but zooming out, I mean, however people do it, they should do it, of course. So that's Little Birdie zooming out, and uh, she's going to be playing right here in Montreal on September 29th at Bar Lesco Griff. And um, I'm definitely going to go check it out. She's got some very beautiful music. And we're going to go out with a song by one of Stettel's favorite artists that lives in Berlin. His name is Daniel Kahn, and this song is off of his recent album, Lost Causes. It's called March of the Jobless Corps in solidarity with the strike at McGill. Thanks so much for tuning in to Shtetl on the Shortwave, and we'll be back in a couple of weeks for the Yom Kippur special. Jobless core, no work in the factories, no more manufacturing. All the tools are broken, rusted, every wheel and window busted through the city streets. We go idle as a CEO, idle as a CEO. Well, one, two, three, four, join the marching jobless core. We don't have to pay no rent, sleeping in a camping tent, dumpster diving. Pero